Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 58. In today's episode, I interview whole person coach, Warren Williams. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to find out what Warren's favorite books and movies are, what he likes to do for self-love, as well as learn about pure energy. Alrighty guys, another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast today, and online I have Warren Williams. Now, Warren, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 10 sentences or less. That's very hard. All right. So um, I kind of got into the whole Czech practitioner training because of an injury I actually had. So I basically in um, 90, what year was it? In 1989, yeah, I, I fractured my ankle. I was on crutches for one and a half years. And um, from that point onwards, Basically, as you know, with the body, I had shifted my body weight away from the injury because I was on crutches. So I'd you know, ripped all the, all the ligaments in my ankle. On crutches one and a half years, and then after that healed, I had a lot of adaptation for the next 15 years or so. I had a lot of adaptation in my body. So I had slight scoliosis in my spine, went to see an osteopath, and he said I'd have to wear a step in my shoe for the rest of my life. At that time, I had just been introduced to Paul Chuck and his information. I started studying that information and I kind of went crazy and did his exercises like three times a day from scientific back training, uh, three times a day, every day for six weeks. I went back to see the osteopath and he said, you never need to see me again. <laughs> so I basically corrected all those issues over a 15 year period in about six weeks. So that gave me a lot of trust in the understanding of how to apply this information. So then I started studying even more, and now I'm you know, level four practitioner, so I've studied everything Paul's done. And um, the other thing I kind of realized was, through my work, understanding that there's only so much you can do on a structural, physical point of view with clients. And then I started to do Paul's holistic lifestyle coaching, started to get more into the energetic, emotional, spiritual sort of stuff. And how I term it is learning that the software runs the hardware. So the software being all the mind, emotion, thoughts, and stuff like that, and how that has a psychic um, you know, overlo overload on the structural systems of the body. And um, so that's that. And then energetically, 
I have been studying esoteric sciences for about 25 years anyway, so the holistic stuff kind of tied into it. So I basically studied at specific um, meditation schools and metaphysical schools for a very long time. So part of my practice is to do energetic healing, um, tuning fork work, um, emotional coaching, um, psychic, and psychic development, and stuff like that, as well as the structural and nutritional stuff. So I'm trying to kind of cover all my bases in that sense. So where where has that uh, led you today? Now, what are you doing uh, with yourself, or how are you furthering yourself, uh, even studying these things now? Well, um, my practice, most people in the kind of uh, Czech community kind of know me as the functional guy because I've worked with a lot of athletes, and I didn't say this, but my background is in martial arts. I've done martial arts for about 25 years as well. And so my thing was more about movement, and I was really good at movement stuff because of my awareness through martial arts. And so most people in the Czech world kind of know me as the rehab guy with functional exercise and can do everything. And that was me embodying the warrior archetype within me. And the warrior is always quite focused on the prowess, the physical prowess and the ability to perform. So from that, I was able to get a lot of elite athletes. So I've worked with Olympic um, long jumpers, sprinters, triple jumpers, high jumpers. And I've worked with professional boxers like heavyweight world champions down to middleweight world champions um, in professional boxing. And then I've also worked with, um, I've actually never worked with professional martial artists. <laughs> no, I've got a background in martial arts. So the closest I've gotten to that is boxing. So I've worked with a lot of athletes because of my physicality and because they were always inspired by the fact they couldn't do what I could do. And because they, they have that competitive streak, they were drawn to working with me. And um, I've kind of evolved past that now and I've embodied the more spiritual aspects of my, my um, archetypes, which is now the healer, teacher and alchemist side of things. I say the alchemist because I helped convert people from negative thoughts and actions into positive thoughts and actions. So that's my transmutation of that. And the healer and teacher, because now I'm, I focus more on the emotional drivers as to why people are sick or in pain, as well as the energetic blockages that they create through emotional baggage, baggage stored in their cells of their body. So that's kind of where my practice has moved to now. I focus more on the emotional and energetic blockages that kind of prevent people from healing themselves and the warrior is kind of more in the background where the healer is more in the front of what i'm doing now now are there common things that you'll see whether it be blockages or emotion emotionally um with your clients like are there things that kind of come up over and over uh that people can really try and focus on even for themselves now yeah um I think the main thing is, um, you know, this negative self-reflection that people typically have within themselves. You know, as we know, 90% um, of the thoughts we have today are the ones we had yesterday, and 95% of those thoughts are negative. So that kind of appears in people in negative self-reflection. So people always think about themselves in a negative way, so they reflect a negative thought process. So that's one of the things I work on with people, kind of building their self-esteem. But you build their self-esteem through self-love, as you know. And so I work on teaching them how to honor themselves through living their legacy and finding their dream. So that's the kind of common theme is how do you get them to find their dream? And you focus on their core values. You know, you obviously build, try to get them to build their core values. And rather than doing, you know, there's a saying that I learned some years ago. 
Um, success is doing what you want, and happiness is, is, is wanting what you, you know, wanting to do what you love. And a lot of people are successful because they, you know, success is getting what you want, I should say. Success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. And I mean, that's the beautiful thing. A lot of people are just, they see work as relative. It pays the bills, but it's not what their passion is. So when you get people to, to harness on their core values and do only what they love, then they love what they do. And if they love what they do, then they're more in love with themselves for doing it. And once you build their core values and teach them how to honor it, honor themselves and put themselves first, that self-love helps them to heal anyway because a lot of their pain is only magnifying their disapproval that they have of themselves anyway. So that's the thing I focus on first is their core values. And then the next thing I look at is um, energetically um, where their blocks are. I work on their chakras or the energetic centers relating to specific thoughts. And I find with that, um, most people, as you know, will have digestive issues. You know, who doesn't, right? <laughs> who doesn't? So, and because the digestive system or the organs of digestion relate directly to the second chakra because it's in the same location on the same nerve, same nerve plexus and the second chakra is um, sex, procreation, but also rhythm and flow or the pace of your life. And because most people's lives are not, not at a harmonious pace, and because they don't love the pace of their day, that disrupts the digestive system because they're always anxious about their day. So by working on their second chakra or you know their sexuality, and when we say sexuality, it's not necessarily just about how much sex they're having. It's also just comfortability with being a male or female because the role that you have as a female is hard nowadays because you know most women feel compelled to have to do what the men are doing. So now they're becoming very masculine. That's where you've got things like CrossFit that, you know, a lot of women are drawn to and they, they masculinize themselves. And then there's this new term that's been coined relating to women, um, which is called Russian woman syndrome. And that is where a lot of women are now at work becoming men. And when they come home, they don't know how to be a woman anymore. So they lose their feminine power, which is the sexuality, which relates to their, their menstrual cycle and the power that they have as a, as a woman. So a lot of these women are now getting to CrossFit and becoming very aggressive in the gym. They're very aggressive in the workplace and they don't know how to be gentle at home. So they're losing their, their connection to the identity of being a female. And then obviously for the men, there's a lot of ego stuff with men anyway, where men feel that it's not manly to be, you know, expressing their emotions. And, you know, I always say to my clients, what's the first thing that men learn to lift in the gym? Well, bench press. And bench press is symbolic of pushing away. And pushing away is symbolic of not having love. So it affects their second chakra because they don't feel that they can be identified as a loving man, which is not good. And again, because of those things located in the second chakra or the second zone of the body, which is in the same area as the digestive system, that can also have an effect on their organs of digestion. So that would be the second thing I look at with my clients. And then you move on to structural stuff afterwards so Warren, in there you were talking about core values finding your dream what is your dream um well i'm i'm living my dream now and my dream is being the healer and the teacher um so going around and empowering people to awaken themselves to their own potential that's always been my dream um even from when my mom said when i was a lot younger i was always trying to help people or give them advice or something 
So I know that's kind of my legacy is to empower and awaken people to realize their potential and to help heal them in whatever blockages they have. So I'm living that right now. And we talked about digestive struggles, a lot of these things that are just very common in today's society. But what is your current uh, like biggest struggle for your health? Okay, well, my, my personal struggle was kind of relating back to an injury I gained, um, structural, structural injury. I was in, um, so I've had over 200 fights in martial art competition. And um, in 96, I had my jaw broken, but I didn't realize, and that sounds weird. <laughs> I didn't realize for a long time. I'm talking about, uh, must have been about seven years oh after. Yeah, so it was, it, was, it, was kind of, it was broken, but it was kind of dislocated in a competition, and that was one of my last competitions. And um, once that had happened, because where the jaw sits, it sits directly in line with the, the um, cervical spine at C3. As it sits against that point, if it's out of alignment, then it can create subluxation of the vertebra and the upper cervical spine. And because where it's connected is directly next to the um, olfactory nerves in the ear, the eardrum, it can create vestibular issues. So from that, I had a lot of vestibular issues um, from around 2001. For many, many years, I had a lot of structural issues. I couldn't fly on planes. I had to come. I had to stop martial art training completely because uh, I couldn't get hit in my head at all, you know, even lightly. Um, so I had so much. Um, I went. I'd seen doctors for about six years. None of them could help me. And it was only until I started getting deeper into the into the check practice at level three where I started to understand the vestibular system and how it tied directly into the cervical spine. And I did posturology and learned about the neck and the jaw. And it's something I'm still dealing with. I've just corrected a lot of it. So that's been my biggest physical challenge was having to deal with and how to having to modify my training. I had to become very, very good at functional exercise just to maintain my own body. Um, and that kind of you know, you always think, why me, why me, why me? And, you know, I always say to my clients, every challenge, and this is something I learned from Paul Check, you know, every challenge is a beautiful opportunity for growth. And so I had to learn, you know, it's something I always say to my clients, what's the lesson? Whatever challenge you're going through, what's the lesson? And I had to learn the lesson for myself was to become very aware of my own body, which made me, made me very aware of everybody else's bodies. And I became very good at seeing movement patterns because I had to become aware of my own movement patterns and then my own mortality and um, the importance of honoring what your body is telling you, what you can and can't do, not pushing yourself beyond your physical limits based on um, an imbalance structurally in your body. So that kind of, I've become so much better at, you know, honoring physicality based on impairment, you know, so that's what it's, it's, it's taught me a lot as well. I see a lot of books behind you. What's the book that you've gifted most often? Uh, to clients? Yeah. I mean, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy is a brilliant book by Paul Check. Other than that, for people that want to pursue their inner growth, The Alchemist, Paolo Coelho, that's a brilliant book. The Vortex, Esther Hicks and Abraham Hicks, The Law of Attraction. Yeah. I'd say those, those are probably the most important books. Oh, and a really good book that I give to female clients, Dan Kalish, Your Guide to Healthy Hormones. Fantastic book. And it's, it's you know, so inexpensive. It's like, in dollars, I suppose it's like $10. You know, it's really we have to do the conversion there, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Apple, uh, what, what are you reading right now? I don't read one book at a time. I tend because I, I I don't think I I study one book very well. I kind of get bored of it. Um, so I have to study like three or four. So right now I'm yeah. I'm studying, and I, I will study one book for that today. I'll study one book, and tomorrow I'll do a different one, and mm-hmm. I'll rotate. So I'll study four books a week, and I'll keep going backwards and forwards to each book until I really mastered it. So what am I looking at right now? Um, Natural Solutions for, for Digestive Health is one that I'm reading right now, and that's by um, our Dr. Gillian Sano and Jeanette Berzinger. That's that's. Uh, and I'll brilliant. put a link in the show notes for everybody to check that out. Yeah. yeah so that's you can see all my book tabs. All the tabs there. All yeah. the notes. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's that one. That's a brilliant book for um you know nat- as it says natural solutions for digestive health. So I think that's really good. And then I'm also, this probably isn't for the layman, um, therapeutic exercises for stabilization in the lumbopelvic sacral spine. So it's quite a deep book. Um, and then I'm also studying the vortex right now with Esther Hicks and Abraham Hicks. Um, and then I'm also studying the subtle body, and that's by Cindy Dale. And that book's more about the kind of metaphysical esoterics or side understanding that energy moves through the body. Whereas the vortex is more about the law of attraction and understanding how you can create wealth through positive thoughts and manifestation of what your mind is fixated on. Because, you know, there's this powerful saying, um, what you focus on, you expands. And most people focus on negativity. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, obviously you've heard of The Secret already and maybe your your listeners have, have heard of The Secret. And, um, you know, on, Oprah, on the Oprah Winfrey show, they interviewed Rhonda Byrne and a few others. And they were just talking about how, you know, a lot of people, they attract poverty because they fear it. And um, one of the women was saying, whenever you talk to a lot of people, they say, oh, I hope I get through the week. You know, and they say, because you say that, you're attracting that because you keep saying, I hope I get through the week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say, how are you doing? I'm surviving. And, you know, and they were saying this in the show. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting because it's true. What, whenever you focus on, you strengthen. So when you say, yeah, I'm surviving, the universe then gives you back what you're asking, which is you're saying, I am surviving. So the universe will make you just about survive. Or I hope I get through the week. The universe will make you just about get through the week. So... I always say to my clients, none of my, if you've ever seen like an Olympic sprint, no one on that start line is on, the, is, is on all fours getting ready for the gun saying, I'm not going to win, I'm not going to win, I'm not going to win, and wins that race. <laughs> no one ever does that. They hope that they win and they focus on the possibility of winning rather than impossibility of losing. So, you know, it's about focusing on success and then hoping that, not even hoping, but focusing on success and making the universe match that energy that you're creating. So that's the vortex. And then the natural solutions for digestive health that we kind of touched on, which is, you know, natural foods that can help repair your gut rather than the need for drugs and um, stuff and surgery and stuff like that. Now, it sounds like you go pretty in-depth when you're studying these books. Do you have a particular way of going about that? Or, I mean... And from that, do you even just continue to read the same books like over and over, maybe every couple of years, come back to ones to just try and get new things out of them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point um, you made. Um, you know, as you evolve, you know, you go back and read a book and it's like you've never read it before. You know? <laughs> it's like you just didn't see that before. And it's like, you know, we all say as we get older, like, you know, when you're in your 30s and you think my gosh what i thought about the world when i was in my 20s is completely different you just perspective 
changes things so much because you learn life's lessons. So in answer to your question, I do have a system over years I've figured out for myself, which is I read a book the first time I'm not trying to comprehend it. I just read it just to read it because obviously everything you read, you know, it's just whether you can access it. So um, I'll read a book and I won't make any notes. Um, but as I'm reading it, I'll highlight specific things that I think are relevant, but I won't store it. I'll just highlight them. Okay, that sounds interesting. I'll highlight. So by the time I finish the book, there's lots of highlighted sections. I'll, like you said, I'll put it down. Maybe uh, four months later, I'll come back to it. When I come back to it the second time, I only read the highlighted sections. And when I read the highlighted sections, this is it's a long way of doing it, but when I read the highlighted sections, I actually transfer notes from that into a new book, my own, like a, just a, a blank book. I'll write sections like I may say, digestive health is going to be these next 10 pages. And I'll take notes from the book at different points in the book that all relate to that in this one section. And I'll finish the book. And once I finish the book, I won't read the book. I'll just read my highlighted transfer notes from the book because those are relevant to what I'm doing with clients and stuff. So that's kind of how I do it with all my books. So I pretty much read them twice and then take notes out. That way I can kind of quickly have maybe six books in one big book where all my notes are. And that's kind of how I do it. You talked about... Uh seeing things in your 20s, seeing things in your 30s. What, what advice would you give to your 30-year-old self? You mean um, what advice would my 30-year-old self give to my 20-year-old no, no, self? No. What advice, looking back now, would you give to yourself then? Don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> Definitely that and um, kind of embrace change and honor aging. Because, you know, when you're in your 20s, you fear getting older. But, you know, love the wisdom that you're going to gain through getting older in your life and learning and seeing a new perspective and kind of, you know, letting the younger self know that, you know what, when you're actually getting older, it's actually going to get better because, you know, you see life in such a better way and, you know, learning to slow down. I used to be moving so much faster. You know, I used to walk and people, you know, I used to walk would have to almost jog to keep up with me. <laughs> but nowadays it's like, I'm just so chilled out and so relaxed and taking my time. So I kind of, you know, say to my younger self, you know, just take your time, relax, enjoy everything. You know, uh, don't be in such a rush to learn or master everything. Enjoy everything that's coming because it's going to get better. Your perspective as you evolve will change and grow. You know, I think that's definitely something that's really important for people to understand is, um, you know, it's like you always see that thing where the um, mother always says to her child, um, you know, you think you know everything. You don't know everything. <laughs> and then the child grows up and then says the same thing to their child. But it's like they're not learning. And it's like it always, it's always like this, this um, groundhog day of waiting until you get into your 30s to realize that what you thought you knew in your teens, you didn't know. And it would be great to be able to go back and tell your teen self, you know what, you actually really don't know. And shake that person like in Back to the Future or something. Shake that person. No, you seriously don't know anything yet. And um, enjoy the journey. You know, Not the destination, but the journey. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. So besides Groundhog Day and Back to the Future, uh, any other favorite movies that you have? Oh, man, I've got a list. I've got like a list of 15, and I, I always rewrite based on certain things. But um, I love the epic films and the stories that you learn in the epic films. The Matrix, I love The Matrix, but not the first one. I do love the first one, but my preferred one is actually the second one. Really? Yeah, a lot of people don't like that one as much, but I think personally it's because it's more complicated than the first one, I think it's beyond, especially the, the end scene. I think that I use the Matrix a lot when I'm coaching my clients because I find that humans, we're, obviously we're very visual. 
and it's so much easier to explain metaphysical things based on something you've seen on the film. So I actually encourage a lot of my clients to watch a lot of spirit, um, science, science fiction films like Avatar and Matrix and stuff like that, because there's a lot you can learn from understanding the visuals that they show in those films. So an example with The Matrix is um, when I teach my clients about um, stress, I explain to them about why their pupils dilate. And I explain that, um, have you ever been, I say to them, have you ever been in a car crash or something like really traumatic like that? And then they, they may say yes. And if they say yes, um, then I say, you notice that in that situation, time seems to slow down for you. And then they're like, yeah, and I goes, well, what's happening is your pupils dilate. And as your pupils dilate, your body's letting in as much information as possible so that you can perceive the accident at slowest pace possible so you can react as fast as possible. And then I say, like Neo in The Matrix. You know, <laughs> when he was doing his, you know, his, his uh, Matrix move and the bullets were going past him, to him it seemed slow because his pupils had dilated and everything was happening in slow motion. But to Trinity, when she was watching, she said, I've never seen someone move that fast. So to her, it was at blinding speed. So I give that as an example. Say, ah. So I use things as visual cues to help them understand how certain things work. So The Matrix, the second one, is my, is my favorite film. And then other than that, it's a lot of epics such as um, Troy, brilliant film, Braveheart, Green Mile, um, Hurricane, which is with Denzel Washington um, incarcerated, a true story where he was incarcerated of a crime he didn't commit for 26 years and how he kind of overcame the justice system to get himself released from prison and you know there's a lot of truth in a lot of films avatar is again one of my favorites and i love that because you know in the avatar film it shows you that as much as we think we've learned about technology we've moved away from society and nature and you know i always say to my clients just because we've got an iphone um doesn't mean we're more evolved because we don't know how to even communicate with ourselves you know we've gone to the moon we've gone deep into the earth but we don't even know when we're hungry so we've lost this connection and I always use that scene. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming you've seen Avatar. Yes. There's a scene where Sigourney Weaver is talking to the main guy who runs them, runs, you know, mm-hmm. their coup. And he says, you know, he says, you know, let's dig up all the trees and stuff. And she's like, don't you understand that there's a connection between the trees from one tree to the next. And it's one to the 10,000th or something like that. And she said, the power isn't in the ground. It's in the trees because they're so connected, one connection to the next, and it's like the neurons in the brain. And he kind of looks at you and goes, they're just trees! And he just laughs. At that. <laughs> and that's what she has this self-realization that he just doesn't understand how powerful nature connects to itself. And I love that because it kind of gets clients to realize the beauty is in simplicity. Like if you just watch and understand how bees connect with, with flowers, you know how certain flowers they found, there's a book called... Um, the Secret Life of Trees. I can't remember who it's by, but it's, that's the only book that has that title, The Secret Life of Trees. And it talks about how specific trees, they can actually, and flowers, when they are affected by a parasite, they have a language where they can call out to specific um, bees to come to them. And the bee carries a specific antifungal um, bacteria within it and when it comes to the plant, it's actually killing off the bacteria to, to help the plant. But the plant can actually call the bee when it needs it. So they have this communication that we didn't even comprehend or understand. And also how specific uh, bees, they can help flowers um, to procreate. 
So they'll call like a male plant, call a bee over, and then the bee will take some of the male plants, you know, whatever they used to, I can't remember the word, but you know, how they used to procreate. They'll take that hormone or whatever it is, and then they'll travel to another female plant and then inseminate that female plant. And that's how they actually procreate as well, because obviously plants can't move towards each other. So they use insects and, and bees and stuff to actually reproduce as well as kill off bacteria. And there's this amazing communication system that all these plants share amongst each other that we don't hear. But we just think they're just dumb trees that just grow out of the ground. But they're communicating and they're surviving for millions of years without us. Without us needing to, you know, pour water in them and stuff, they've been surviving. So these sort of things we don't see that are underlying the films like Avatar can that scene kind of shows that that this deep connection that plants, trees, animals have with each other that are so far beyond what our comprehension of communication is. And we only communicate through text and email now, you know. Whereas obviously years ago, we used to be able to communicate through thought and through emotion and through body language reading. So we're losing a lot of this stuff. Like I said, we don't even know when we're hungry. So we're gaining all this technology, but losing insight. You know, so many people nowadays are, are fearful of talking about spirituality. Um, and the only time they even touch on thinking about spirituality is when when they're about to die and that's the only or when their life is you know online like someone's holding a gun to head or in a plane crash only at that point do they even think about death and they just want to push it under the rug until they have to face it and that's not where we're supposed to be we're supposed to be so connected to everything at all times because we're supposed to be the dominant species on the planet but we think because we have technology now that we are when we're not because we're losing the connection to our innate abilities. So I think that's really important to kind of get people to want to connect to who and what they are. You know, every year there's more and more psychologists and counsellors and doctors being, um, you know, studying and, and, and leaving school every single year. But yet the world's in a worse place every single year. So no matter how much education we get, no matter how many doctors, lawyers, bankers, accountants we're getting, the world and humanity is still de-evolving. So, you know, I remember Paul Cech said, the world is studying more and more about less and less until they know nothing. And that's kind of, the, that, that's kind of sad. So it would be nice, and I don't want to make it sound morbid, I'm kind of just highlighting the truth that we kind of have to, you know, as that saying goes, if you don't go within, you go without. So it's about us learning to honor our food, honor our space, honor our time, you know, me time, stop working for money and start working to live. Uh, start, you know, stop being fearful of, of silence because the silence is forcing you to face things that you're holding back or suppressing because one day those things were either going to kill you or put you in a coma, or make you have so much stress that you have to go and take medication. So face your truths, listen to the inner voice because it knows everything you need to do for yourself and learn to love everything and everyone around you. Warren, I have so many questions coming out of that. That, that was incredible, so thank you for sharing all of that. So one of the things that really intrigued me and that, that I wanna ask you off of that is, so you talked about either the, like the, the plants, the, the flowers, just different plants, really uh, trees, being able to call what they need. Mm. For yourself, have you seen a time where you've tried to call something in that you need or is that something that we can really teach ourselves to do and how would you go about doing that? Uh, so sorry, say that question again. That's what I'm yeah, it's kind of all over. Um, I'm trying to bring it down. Like, How can we call things into our lives that we need? 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, again, you know, some of this stuff, you know, it's so sad that we're so scared to talk about these things because we have this innate ability, like we have a soul. And, you know, when you talk to people, and I'm going to address your question, but I'm going to preface it with this. So, you know, I always say to people, look, stop being afraid of this word energy and metaphysics and spirituality. Don't you understand that you're made up of atoms? And I'm like, when you break an atom down, atom is protons, neutrons and electrons. That's energy. Science has proven that we are made up of 99.9% empty space. So how do you think you're a solid being? That's just an illusion. So once you kind of understand and you get beyond this fear that your energy, because science has now proven it, now you'll realize that you're more than just the makeup of what you see in the mirror. You are pure energy. Once you kind of get that, you kind of accept that if you are energy, then everything around you is energy. That, that means everything is connected. So if everything is connected, like if me and you are in the same room, we're sharing the air. So we're sharing energy anyway. So there's no disconnection. Why are you so, you know, all this racism and prejudice and he, oh, it's, it's like, so what if a man loves a man and a woman loves a woman? It's like, it's all energy anyway. It doesn't matter. Is there a male energy and a female energy? It's all energy. So... You know, once you kind of understand that and you feel that everything's connected, you know, getting back to the question about attraction, um, when we understand this, we understand that everyone has the same shared thoughts. So, you know, and obviously you've done this and, you know, your listeners have done this. Sometimes you think about a friend and they phone you. You know, I was just thinking about you. (laughs) So you are able to connect to somebody else and draw that energy together. And you do that and you call it deja vu. And that's just a term that you can say, oh, that's deja vu, and you sweep it under the rug. You never think about it again until you face it again. How many times do you have to face that before you realize the world's bigger than what you think? Once you accept the world's bigger than what you think, then you start to realize that, hold on, my thoughts can shape reality. Because if I think about someone enough, they call me or I bump into them. So that means I am drawing those people to me somehow. And I remember there was a test. There's another really great book called E Squared. It's actually one of Paul Jack's favorite books, um, E Squared. I uh, can't remember this by. Um, and I can check that out. And like I said, I'll get that in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. Brilliant book. Um, and she does these. Um, she's actually a journalist and happened to learn all this stuff through someone, I can't remember who. And um, the brilliance of that book is like, it's kind of like a law of attraction book. And it kind of goes back to your question anyway. And um, she has nine tests in the book. And each one of those tests can be proven to you within 48 hours. And she asks you to do these tests and then you manifest these things and realize, wow, this stuff works. And I did it with one of my professional footballers. And he was in Australia and I was in England when we were talking about it and he got the book. And then he, he called me because, Warren, it happened in less than 24 hours. <laughs> and one of the tests that she has is called the... Um, I think it's the Volkswagen Polo test or something like that. And she was talking about, you know, you think about, if you think about a car, don't you see it everywhere? And she's like, that's one of the powers that we have. So what you focus on expands. So, and it's true. If you think about a car, you just see it everywhere. But it's not like there's more of those cars on the road. You just notice it because you focus on it. So when you talk, talk about drawing things into your life, if you focus on wealth and you align your thoughts to your actions, then you're in harmony. The universe now supports that harmony because the thought is pure and it's been actioned. And they call that co-creating. And when you co-create and you align your thoughts 
to what you're attracting because you think about it, then the universe brings the attraction towards you and then you manifest it as reality. Yeah, so that's you know our conscious mind, the power of our conscious mind, the ability to think hard enough about something to the point where you want it so bad that you make it happen. The problem is most people fear cancer, so they get it. Most people fear poverty, so they get it. So wherever you focus on doesn't, the universe doesn't care if it's positive or negative. It has, it has no care. Um, and some people say, oh, God is so bad. And Okay, do you really think, so if there's more negativity in the world, that means the devil's more powerful than God. If, if everything that bad comes from the devil, from that religious standpoint, and everything good comes from God, when we look at the world, we see that there's more negative things happening in the world than positive things. We just got to watch the news. So that means the devil's winning the war if you go down that religious route. But the universe, when we look at it from that point of view, it only strengthens what you think about. If you fear something, it strengthens that. Because when you fear something, you, you focus on that more than anything else. And what we're basically saying with all that doom and gloom stuff, what we're really saying to, you, to the listeners is focus only on what you want and make what you want be something that you love. And when you do that, you only are drawing it or attracting to you the things that you love and are passionate about. And you can only find that through establishing your core values. And your core values are the things that are important to you. They don't have to be important to anybody else. It doesn't have to be judged by anybody else. It's just whatever you feel is important. So if you say, one of my core values is I get eight hours sleep every single night, great. Or one of my core values is I want to work from home or I want to be a painter. Then those are your core values, you know? And approval is deadening because you can never meet anybody's approval or accept your own. So you value what you want and you love it, and then you attract what you focus on. It's that simple. Warren, we, we talked about uh, even a little bit going into technology uh, and not necessarily being the best thing uh, for today's world. What is your vision for a healthy future for both yourself, for the planet in, in 10 years and even out in 100 years? Mm, that's a big question, man. Um, I mean, for me, um, my vision is to expand my business as all people want to do, but to the point where I can just reach as much people online. And, you know, there's a lot of really good speakers and teachers out there that are doing a lot more digital media sort of stuff. So for me, I want to get more into focusing on digital media so I can reach more people and, you know, do great work like what you're doing, you know, interviewing people and, um, helping people to, like I said, awaken their potential by meeting their core values. Uh, for the world and why I see it's interesting because we are, we, you know, we are in this age of Aquarius now where we've passed that, um, that cycle. Um, you know, for obviously, you know, not getting too deep into it, but, um, you know, we've got 12 windows or 12 signs of the zodiac. And, and, you know, from 1970, we entered that boom age where we're in the age of ether or ear, which is the metaphysical age, which is why back in the 60s, before the explosion in the 70s, people started to get into peace, man, and groovy and nature. You got all that starting to kick in. So we're getting back into nature. So even though we are talking about all this gloom, doom and gloom, that's been propelled to us by the powers that be, the society, the the industries and the big conglomerate companies. But, you know, within that, from a, at a lower level, more humans are now focusing more on alternative medicine, which is a massive positive. You know, the stats show that most people are now shifting towards um, alternative medicine versus medications. That's fantastic. You know, yoga is popping up everywhere. Everybody's getting into yoga, so that's a real positive. 
Um, people are now starting to open up a lot more metaphysical schools. So those are all positives. You know, um, medical clinics are starting to tie into things like homeopathy and osteopathy and referring to physios and soft tissue work. So we're moving back to the start of what we were doing thousands of years ago. So I think, um, and as I was taught by a, a great practitioner, Emma Lane, she was saying that in the next 10 to 20 years, um, alternative therapy and medical therapy will be exactly on the same level as medication, medicine or alternative, sorry, or allopathic medicine or medical system will refer to an alternative system as much as it refers back and will be on the same level. And I think once that happens, um, yeah, the planet will start to become more harmonious because there are a lot of great people out there like Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Dalai Lama and, you know, these people that are quite seen as visionaries that are guiding people to this path of self-awareness. This is perfect because one of the last questions that I like to ask uh, people who come on the show is, who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what is it that you would want to hear them talk about? Or what would you want to ask them even? Man, that's a good one. Not the Dalai Lama, he's been spoken to a lot. Mm. I mean, it's always wonderful hearing Paul Jack talk about anything. He can be talking about toenails. <laughs> talking about anything is great he's so passionate um man and it doesn't have to be even somebody necessarily where it's like oh they're this dalai lama larger than life like so much i mean it could just be somebody who's made a tremendous impact in your life and you want to hear them spread their word emma lane emma lane yeah emma lane she is amazing i don't, I don't know if you've heard of her yes absolutely yeah she's amazing especially for parasitology um, her thoughts on parasitology, and then also her thoughts on energy medicine. Um, I think that that's important to get get across to the world because they're so fearful of parasites, and she's one of the best in the world at parasites. She has beaten terminal cancer twice. I think that would be good for some of you listeners to hear someone who's come from the brink of death and moved, and the way she calculates through alternative therapy, and then that empowered her to to master it. So I think that would be, I love hearing her talk about stuff. So yeah, that would be her. Is there any specific question you would want to ask her? Probably her thoughts on world change. Yeah. Because just adding to that actually, she um, often speaks about working with the change makers. And she says that if you want to change the world, change the change makers first. So that would be interesting to hear her talk about that. All right. I, I'm going to have to reach out to her here. Uh learn a little bit more about the change makers. I'm, I'm very interested in that type of thing as well. And I think a lot of the listeners would uh, certainly be into that type of thing. So Warren, kind of bringing everything into a close here. One of the things I know you have on your website is the nine essential steps to a calm mind. If you want to just maybe give a little bird's eye view of that for listeners, and then where else can they find more about you uh, on the internet? How can they reach out to work with you? Anything like that? Okay, yeah, that's something I just put up. So you've been doing your homework. That's something I just put out probably four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's very new. I've been working on that. So that's, an, that's a, a three-hour audio program. You know, we were talking about at the start trying to empower people. So I've kind of developed, I'm trying to start to develop a lot more downloadable content that when people can't afford to work with us, you know, on a deep level one-on-one, can we give them tools that are inexpensive that will help them help themselves so that's kind of one of my gifts in that sense of developing a plan so in that audio program we focus a lot on understanding the mechanics of the mind from 
learning to deal with negative thoughts, shifting them to positive thoughts, understanding how thoughts and emotions can physically create um, stress triggers in the body, understanding what resonance is and um, how to become in resonance with yourself and people around you, understanding how the energetic systems of the body can impact your health and how thoughts can help you heal. Once they kind of understand the mechanics of how all of those systems work and why thoughts are important to control, then at the end of that, I go through nine powerful exercises that won't take more than half an hour in one day if you wanted to do them. And you could just sit down and be coached through how to do these exercises, specific breathing exercises, and then specific energy building or Tai Chi kind of exercises to help instill a calm mind because thought creates a calm body. And that also comes with a downloadable PDF um, chart which shows me demonstrating all the exercises. So they have that to accompany their audio. And so what was the second part of what you said? Uh, oh, and contact. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, as you know, my website is warrenwilliamscoaching.com and uh, people can contact me at warren at warrenwilliamscoaching.com. Um, and I can do online work like yourself through Skype as well as in London, South London, UK, I work one-on-one with people. I've got clients in different countries that I do um, my energy building and kind of emotional self-management programs. Very good. Well, Warren, any last words that you would like to uh, give to the listeners? Um, the only thing I'd say is um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to um, find your core values and to stick to your convictions about what you want for yourself. Don't let anybody dictate to you what you should have for yourself and remember that success isn't about how much money you make, it's about how much joy you gain from the things that you do in life. Warren, thank you so much for all of that. Everybody, make sure, go go check out the downloads here. Go check out warrenwilliamscoaching.com. I mean, contact him, reach out to him. This has been some amazing stuff. I Every time I uh, talk to people, it adds to my book list, things that, things that I want to check out. You're like, busy, uh, you're busy, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go quite through all those. I've read a fair amount of them, which helps. But I, I like uh, the tip that you gave about like some of the highlighting, then going back, reading the highlights, taking those down, condensing everything, really kind of giving the the really the highlights, the notes that really speak out uh, to keep those in my own uh, mind, my own thoughts. So, I'll ask you one question before we finish. Yeah. Can you re- recommend one of your favorite books to me? My favorite book is The Music Lesson. Oh right. my gosh, I've, I've, um, I've got that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I've got that. I, now, it's, I, I always tell people, it's similar to so you, you, um, The Alchemist. Like, those two are on the same wavelength for me. I, I feel like they're very relatable. I like The Alchemist. I, I listen to a lot of books. I've listened to The Music Lesson at least probably five times over. And, I, and it's one of those, like, I just recently downloaded it again on my phone to listen to it again. Like, I just keep going through it because I, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually got that as an audio download. One of my clients, um, Paul Check, actually recommended it for him to listen to as well. So he's listened to and read it. Read, he got the book and the audio. So yeah, yeah, that's on my list. There you go. Well, Warren, thank you again uh, so much for your time. Uh, listeners, make sure to go check out all the great stuff uh, Warren suggested here. So again, Warren, thank you so much for your time and you have a great day. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for reaching out. Take care. Absolutely. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, 
go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. Thank you.